0: Welcome to Jason and the Movie Knots. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Paul McCoy. And we are talking about the first two David Cronenberg movies, Shivers and Rabid. So then this is our part of our uh, new series where we're going to be talking about different David Cronenberg movies each time Paul and I get together, sometimes with some other friends and sometimes just the two of us. Uh, so Paul, you have, how long have you been a fan of Cronenbergs? Uh,
1: as long as I can remember, um, I don't even know what the first Cronenberg film I saw was. I know I saw, you know, The Fly and uh, The Dead Zone, uh, but and and uh, Videodrome, and I think maybe the first one was probably uh, Scanners, because wow. I was I was really impressed with how it was. It was basically an X Men movie, with you know, with no X Men. And so I just like, I was, I was just hooked immediately. He had a, he had a pulp comic kind of sensibility that just spoke to me. And then it was also horrifyingly graphic, disgusting horror <laughs> stuff going on as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still remember bringing scanners home from the blockbuster or whatever he we went to when I was, you know, when I was in high school and we put it on and my sister and i were going to watch it my parents knew right away this is something they didn't want to watch and you know we get to the first head exploding and my mm-hmm. sister's like horrified she's like turn this off turn this off I, I, we're not going to watch this i'm sorry jason we're not going to watch this you know, and then, you know we only had the one the vcr in the house and that was it right and right. so like i never watched Scanners to the end, Video drone came out and I'm like, come on, we can watch this too. This is going to be just as good as Scanners. And she's like, <laughs> no, no, we're renting Matthew Broderick movies. We're not renting uh, David Kornenberg films. Um, so I've seen a few of his movies since then. Obviously, uh, Dead Zone Fly. Fly was just outstanding. I'm looking forward to watching that as part of our group uh, watch. And um, History of Violence also, oh, yeah. Ego, which was such an excellent film and uh, the stealth uh, comic adaptation film too. So I've only had been exposed to a few of his movies. Uh, and it was interesting going back and watching these two very early films, uh, because I think you, you'll tell me you saw the DNA for his work in these movies, and I'll tell you, um, these are just great low budget kind of horror films that um, just kept me smiling the whole way through.
1: I, they're, I think they're fantastic just I mean game changing basically
0: so what about them do you think is game changing um, well uh,
1: one of the things that really hits especially looking back on it now and and reading up and he, listening to commentary tracks and all that uh, I, I didn't realize he had written Shivers back in 71 mm-hmm. um, so in 71 You know, that was the era where the real groundbreaking horror was, you know, Night of the Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Last House on the Left. Those were the, that was the Holy Trinity. And that, and outside of that, I don't know if there was a whole lot of other really experimental, powerful, good horror stuff being done. Mm -hmm. And, and he wrote it in that, in that era, Uh, but it didn't get made until, what was it, 75, it was filmed in 75 and released in 76, so it took a few years to get financing. But it's, it, it takes the kind of the vivid graphic, realistic uh, horror of those, those three films and kind of injects this intellectual, psychosexual element that nobody was touching. Uh, I mean, it, it's. I mean, it's both of these films are, are, are a borderline pornography, and even though, like, uh, even though uh, you know, Wes Craven had had worked on porn films, you know, when he started actually making his movies, they were just more violent than than sexual. Although there was right. sexual violence, uh, but not sexual liberation or yeah, you know, sexual freedom, which is kind of what's going on in these two films. so it's, it was just, it was just such a vivid uh, keystone
0: basically to where things could go Mm -hmm. that nobody had really touched on yet. Yeah, I really picked up on like the social satirical elements to it. Mm -hmm. You know, Shivers is, um, you know, pretty clearly meant to be in a lot of ways, a satire of kind of the free love era which was coming to it i mean i mean if it had come out 10 years later it'd be easy to read it as a like as a uh satire on aids or something Um, yeah
1: see uh, but i don't know i don't know if i would even go so far as satire okay i mean it's it's like an embracing of this this these kind of elements rather than it because it's not really parodying or it's not really it's not even really critiquing. If it's critiquing something, yeah. it's critiquing like the repressed sexuality. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, and the whole point of shivers is, uh, you know, releasing that sexuality. Uh, I mean, and this is something that we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, but I don't care who the people are in shivers. Uh, the protagonists of shivers are the parasites. Yeah. They're the heroes <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. They're the ones who, who have a goal and are doing everything they can to achieve their liberation.
0: Well, isn't that a dark way of, of like presenting your fear, your horror, too? Uh, I guess it's a little like rooting for the guy in Texas Chainsaw to, to kill everybody mm-hmm. or rooting for kind, Jason. Kind know?
1: of, except, except there, death is the end. It's all about uh, pain right. and yeah. loneliness and isolation. And here it's like breaking down the isolation and becoming a community.
0: Wow! Yes, and because, so, yeah, it's like especially at the end, right? They have all these exactly. people who are lonely inside the apartment building. Exactly, it's that's, that's the whole high tech apartment building.
1: Yeah, that's the whole point of the apartment building is it's it's an isolated society. It's an artificial society. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting compared to those other three other three films that I mentioned, uh, where they're all kind of rural and isolate, isolated rurally. This is city, you know, they're 12 minutes from Montreal. It's, 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 an, it's a, a social uh, situation that is kind of straight out of uh, J.G. Ballard. J.G. Ballard wrote uh, High Rise just, right. I think, a year before this, this was released. So he wrote, he did the script for this before High Rise was actually published. But I don't know if anybody if anybody knows High-Rise. High-Rise is a J.G. Ballard uh, novel, science fiction novel about a, a luxury High-Rise that basically is like Shivers, has its own society inside, has stores, doctors, everything, and it becomes uh, a microcosm for the world. And then everything just starts breaking down and you know, floors start warring against other floors. And it's it's... It's really good. <laughs> ben Wheatley just did an adaptation of it um, okay. for film, like just a couple of years ago, with uh, Loki as the lead. Uh, Tom Hiddleston. It, yeah, Tom Hiddleston. Um, it's really worth a watch. But this this actually hit just right at that same time, and so you've got this whole world that's all self contained. Everything you need is there. It's a, it's a, it's 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 society, but it's all combined and and. Built up in this one building, so you you, you almost never have to leave. Uh, you can live your whole life. It's a society, life.
0: but it's also a very white society, mm-hmm. uh, almost completely young society. Well, yeah, yeah, to a degree. There's a few of the older ladies that you know when the first uh, body drops. You know, there's the the joke the old ladies make. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, it is it is this interesting kind of distortion in a way of, of what the real society would look like. Not very many families in the building, which may actually make sense also, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as a more expensive building, maybe a singles building. Uh, it's yeah, meant singles, to be young, young couples, yeah. uh, old
1: couples. Uh, so it's, 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 it's just like a perfect scenario for something like this. You know, if it were zombies, I guess, uh, I guess, I uh, guess, Romero kind of touched on it in you know when he came back to the zombie genre back with uh, land of the dead there was the big high-rise apartment complex that was where all the rich people lived and the you know the poor people went out and worked for them basically. So he he, he came to it eventually. but in that you know it's the dangers from without. It's, it's all you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: disease and whatever death coming from outside. And that's the thing this this isn't about death at all. I mean, there's there is death but i mean I, I got a quote here um from the uh this is what the doctor and for those who haven't seen i guess we should just disc- we should explain what the fuck, what the fucking movie is <laughs>
0: briefly yeah there'll be spoilers for both these movies, which yeah. came out 40 yeah. plus years ago um it's there's an a, a, a
1: apartment complex a building in canada just outside of montreal um It's totally self-contained and living in this building is a mad scientist, basically, who has decided to try to create a a parasite that can replace organs. So that if like say your kidney is bad, rather than having to get a kidney transplant, you can insert this parasite that will absorb the kidney and take its place. And uh, basically, you know, it feeds off of you, but it's doing its job as the organ, and so it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a high concept sci-fi idea. Unfortunately,
0: and the, <laughs> the parasite parasite also um, it's an aphrodisiac. Well, see, yes, I think and they specifically I think, I think, say that,
1: right? They, I don't. That wasn't planned. This is like the parasite's own initiative, I believe. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is how it can survive: is it wants to spread, and and so it creates this aphrodisiac, turns you in basically to a sex zombie. Only you're not you're not a zombie. You're just you just really want a bone, <laughs> and it doesn't matter who or what. And you you know you you also want to commit violence. It's, 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 it's all mixed up and combined. So it's, it's, it's gritty, it's dirty. Uh, it's no wonder that the Canadian government didn't want to fund it after they found out yeah, what they were paying for. It's,
0: it's gross. It, mm-hmm. it, it's not filled with great acting, but I think the poor acting really enhances the movie. Oh yeah, that's, 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 I, I totally agree. I mean, they,
1: they just had open casting calls. They had people just coming in off the street to get parts, and then this is Cronenberg's first film, and he had no idea what he was doing, and so he didn't really know how to how to do any of this stuff. Mm-hmm there's you know, a great
0: just... story he tells in an interview he'd done a bunch of shorts before mm-hmm, right um, but he hadn't done a, a formal movie and so he went to the film board of canada and somehow he persuaded them to fund his movie which is the first real fictional movie they made aside from these very kind of pastoral films about farmers and western well, canada or whatever right that that's the government side he yeah. went through it,
1: um cineplex Cinepix, i think uh so, who were doing softcore porn movies uh-huh. just like like you know women coming of age girls coming of age movies and this was one of the first uh times they went into horror because it was like they they were making money with the softcore porn and they but they realized you know as the 70s were kicking in they were like okay we need hor- horror is really what's coming up and so we need a horror movie we need to start doing horror and this just kind of dropped in their lap and they're the ones who really embraced it and ran with it. And then it took them like two or th- three years to get the government
0: to actually sign on. And because they were experienced, they gave him a, a crew of experienced people. Exactly. The first day he reported, he's like, what do I do with these people? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> so fucking great. He hadn't, he had no idea.
1: He'd only done the, the short films. Of the, I mean, they're hour long films, but they were, they were done with no sound he shot them just straight video and then over you know, recorded audio tracks afterwards, which is narration. Uh, so he, he had done the shooting, he'd done the editing and all that. And then when it came time to do the feature film, he had no idea what to do. <laughs> and, and so it's just like setting back and letting all these people who know what they're doing do their thing.
0: So quick tangent,
1: Paul, have you watched
0: any of his shorts?
1: I have not, I, I've, I think okay. I've got them collected somewhere, but
0: I've, I've never actually sat down and, and got to watch them. Okay, because um, there's Secret Weapons and Stereo are both on YouTube. Oh, okay. And Crimes of the Features on Criterion channel for what it's worth. Oh, I've yeah, watched okay. at least part of all three of them. And it's interesting the contrast between those three and Shivers, there's a lot of similarity. So like this this building is a very kind of modern building for the early 70s. So it's got a lot of concrete in it. It feels very like brutalist in that formal sense of the term, mm-hmm. brutalist, yeah. You know, where it's just concrete and, and walls and it's very formalized looking. Right. And um, all yeah, of his no early films- There's no nature. No nature at all, right? Uh, and all his early films have that same kind of feel to them. Uh, both story and Crimes of the Future take place in what probably are college campuses, but look very alienating <laughs> and very much like that, that early seventies kind of vision of the future where, you know, these Mies van der Rohe type buildings that are very kind of brutalistic and depersonalized. And all those, those, films are very formal and not very person focused. So it's interesting that he's taking, he, in Shivers, he takes a lot of that setting, but twists it in a way that really does emphasize the people in the films. And it really feels like he's kind of moved up a level to use the video game term because he's um really kind of integrating kind of both sides of filmmaking, both the technical side and the personal side. Hmm. That's, that's interesting.
1: I, I, I I'm kicking myself every time I start talking about current memory with anybody that that I haven't actually seen those. I found them very <sighs> hard to get through. I, I, that's understandable. I mean, he he was he was just Totally committed to the independent film scene at that time. Uh, he was mostly inspired by like
0: the New York film scene with like uh, is it Kenneth Anger. Is mm-hmm. it Kenneth Anger, I think uh, it's Kenneth Anger, and I think he yeah. credits Anger at some point for yeah influence on him. Yeah, that
1: that yeah that was the stuff that he was really into. Uh, I think he told his story once about going to he he was he took a year off or whatever to to go and live in France, which is you know nice. <laughs> yeah and uh got to go to con and uh was disgusted by the whole thing and then i don't know something happened and he had this complete like a switch flipped in his head and was like no this is you know you can you can do something commercial that that can appeal to this audience but is still independent and still uh uh experimental and that's when he really came back and started focusing on doing the trying to do features
0: oh that's fantastic because you could really see that reflected in both these films
1: mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> one of the other things that really gets me i was just talking about this earlier is that when have you've watched interviews with him right yes okay he's he's comes across as so intellectual and concert controlled and he's very concise and there's a lot of precision in his thought and his his speech and he does movies with just gross sex violence bodies (laughs) exploding just it's so so you know just visceral it's such a a amazing funny contrast i watched an interview
0: that's one of the many reasons people compare
1: him to lynch right yeah i can see that i can see that I watched an interview with him, uh, David, him, John Carpenter, and John Landis.
0: Oh yeah, what a when just it was when
1: Videodrome was was getting was being made and the thing was being made, and they would ask them questions. And John Landis was just enthusiastic and nerdy, and John Carpenter was very down to earth and about you know trying to just get shit done. And Cronenberg would just start into these very intellectual freudian interpretations and, and, and you know referencing intellectual stuff and psychology and all and you could just see john carpenter's face he's just trying to not just laugh at <laughs> it it's just so great
0: and that's another reason that i love it oh i got to find that that sounds amazing <laughs> yeah it's it's great so, Paul, we should talk about Crimes we of the sh- Future when we get to the new Crimes of the Future Compare okay. the, the original to the new.
1: Definitely. But uh, I guess that was us setting up what the movie was about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, um, the Dr. Hobbes, uh, who creates this parasite that will replace your organs, uh, discovers that it has bad side effects that are basically violent and sexual and so in the opening scenes i was i, I was just i was shocked again watching it just how if oh. you walked into this movie not knowing what was going to happen it opens with a commercial for the the uh, apartment complex the starliner estates which is something we, we should probably talk about starliner being a spaceship and things yeah. that burst out of your stomach and all that <laughs>
0: yeah with,
1: with alien um Five years before alien. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it opens up with a commercial for the apartments we open with a couple that we i don't think we ever see them again um who are wanting to live there the the manager of the of the apartment complex comes out to start showing them around telling them about the apartment how they've got everything, they've got a doctor, they've got dentists, they've got shops, they've got everything you need, you never have to leave. Intercut with this is unexplained scenes of an old man wrestling with a young woman in a schoolgirl outfit violently until he kills her, (laughs) puts her on a table, strips her, cuts her open, pours acid in her, and then slits his own
0: throat. it's the the craziest beginning of a movie because it's completely like what the fuck am i looking at exactly
1: exactly it's like there's no explanation there's no introduction it's just boom here's here's a young couple trying to find their home and there's just this horrible bizarre maybe sexual violence going on we don't there's no section involved in it but it is a young girl in a schoolgirl outfit being attacked by an old man who then strips her and cuts her open so right. we don't know what's going on. we have no clue what's going on and i was on the edge from that point onward it's it's so great it's such a fucking great
0: intro mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i don't think i i don't i can't think of anything that compares to it you can't help but pay attention hmm and the momentum carries through the movie uh, it builds on it in really unexpected ways mm-hmm. um but yeah you're right i mean i can think of another movie that just like grabs you from that moment onward
1: especially that contrast between you know this
0: you look idyllic, so sedate right oh yeah like
1: yeah. yeah we're gonna have a home we can live here forever Oh no! Here's someone just brutally murdering someone, cutting them open, and pouring acid in them. For some reason, we have no idea
0: why. There's even the little touches when the couple comes walking in. The sun is shining through the window. Uh, they walk past the security guard who's got this big bank of uh, like phone buttons that you can press to page somebody. It looks very high tech for 1974, and the uh, the guard is reading a romance novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it looks like it's the most you know kind of basic boring experience you can get into and right away you know there's some satire that's going to happen here but also something that's like you have no freaking idea what's going to happen next yeah anything could happen after that and it kind of (laughs) does
1: what's what's really great uh this is i i didn't even i mean i guess i knew it but it didn't really wasn't really conceptualized until i started you know, realizing I'm going to have to talk about it was the fact that this girl who gets murdered, I we can go ahead and, and spoil, uh, she, the doctor Hobbs had basically groomed her since she was 12. Mm-hmm. And now she's 19, according to the police. Uh, but she became his experiment. And so he experimented on her with these, these parasites this parasite to re- to replace organs um he didn't realize that she's a 19 year old woman and you know it's a sexually liberated time she's she's having experiences in the building
0: mm-hmm.
1: there is at least i mean
0: there's uh there's a she's even an old man <laughs> well there's a the comment that she's like the most popular girl in the building or something seriously
1: She's she's getting around. And unfortunately, these parasites are like a venereal disease and they can be sexually transmitted.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so people are having started having gut problems and the gut problems are nasty slug like parasites that look like a cross between a penis and a turd uh,
0: that live in your guts and eventually will make their way out they are so disgusting <laughs> they are so disgusting uh did they remind you a little bit of the, the parasites from slither oh yeah slither was totally inspired by those
1: slither to- totally took that you know gun saw this and loved this mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, he probably wanted it trashier and sleazier
0: <laughs> at least succeeded in his own different way yeah oh yeah, yeah we got to talk we'll talk about the ending in a minute now nicely they uh, echo each other between those two (laughs) movies and actually between these two movies too um yeah i mean the central character as far as we have one is that insurance agent nick and his wife and there's all those scenes of nick with the bulges kind of growing out of his belly and stuff and like he seems to be possessed by these creatures too he goes into his work and slams his door closed and um just ignores everyone in the office well
1: you know at that point he had just walked in on the dead body of the girl and the doctor Mm -hmm. and then went to work freaked out not knowing what what was going on and then it's then he starts you know he's bleeding and he's got his gut problems and then and then ends up going back instead of going to the doctor goes back to the hotel or the apartment complex
0: did i miss how it got transmitted to him Maybe I just uh, realized I'm it, not sure I
1: am clear on that. It's only implied. Well, he knew the girl. I can't even I don't even know what the girl's name was. Um, but he showed up at her apartment there. Instead of going to work.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. So, we were implying he was having an affair with her. Yeah. Exactly. So he was or showing was up there before going to work. Him. Right. And then finds was, the body. Yeah, because he was obviously going up to her place to have a little uh, hangout. Mm hmm so sleazy <laughs> so well, so sleazy and also like that brings a whole other element to like these people's experience in the building because the wife totally trusts them right and he's betraying the wife and he's in a way being penalized for betraying the wife although you know he's only one of many many who this happens to yeah, at the same time i mean he's been shitty to the wife for a while now from what you can, what you can gather from their relationship seems to be yeah he's kind of shitty to everybody yeah Oh man, certainly not a guy who's in touch with his emotions, um, well, yeah. and it just built from there. There's mm-hmm. so many terrifying moments in this movie as it builds and builds. Yeah, there's the the dad who uh, is implied he's having sex with his daughter. There's the two kids who are on the leashes at the end. Yeah. Oh uh, god. Yeah. See that? Yeah. That's every after everything
1: has gone crazy, and and uh, see that's where that's where. I don't see it as a, as like a criticism of sexual liberation. It's a criticism of that repression of sexual repression. And and once that repression is gone, all these people are just doing everything they just wanted to do, but, but, you know, wouldn't let themselves do, which, you know, in the case of putting children on leashes and walking them around is, is probably a good thing, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it also is that like, alone. you know, just people, you know, just being sexual and just wanting to to have experience and, and right. feel good uh, that everybody's just holding down and clamping down and that these things,
0: these parasites just let them let go of. Well, um, I mean, if we follow that. I mean, no wonder he wrote this as Orgy of the Blood Parasites. Orgy
1: right? of the Blood Parasites. Oh, that's so fucking great. That's, <laughs> that's one of the, that's, that is such a great title. I, I mean, it I, doesn't
0: all hold together for that. I mean, there's the there's the scene with the, the wife and her friend and they start to have sex with each other and, you know, that that fits it nicely. But there's also the scene where, um, what's her name, Barbara? Um, Barbara Steele. Yeah, and she's in the tub and the creature just kind of crawls out of the mm. rain in the tub and attacks her. and She doesn't yeah. do anything to inspire that. She seems like a pretty normal person.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is all these people are normal. And, and then once this thing gets in you, you know, what's, you're, you're a new normal. Your new normal, which is, which is, according to the words of, of Dr. Hobbes, we're actually going to get back to that that I started like a half hour ago. <laughs> um, uh, the quote from the movie, uh, "Now Hobbes believed that man is an animal that thinks too much, an overrational animal that's lost touch with its body and its instincts. How do you like that? In other words, too much brains, not enough guts. So what he came up with to help our guts along was a parasite that's a combination of aphrodisiac and venereal disease that will hopefully turn the world into one beautiful, mindless orgy. And there we have our, <laughs> the summation of everything that this movie has become. Becomes. And that's
0: really what it becomes at the end, exactly.
1: right? It, exactly. The, the parasites win. Hobbes thought twice about it, decided, no, this is not a good thing and tried to stop it and then you know killed himself
0: to get out of it but dr st luke ends up trying to escape and then gets basically dragged into the pool with all the other a column zombies for one of a better term oh it's such and, a great ending. and it becomes one of us one of us one of us i mean it's just but i mean
1: really it is such oh. an excellent ending isn't it's it It's an excellent ending i mean he's he's I mean he's he's justified in fearing them and running away but at the same time you know once he's consumed and part of the the group everything goes to normal it's like once you know well, he's accepted he's one of them then yeah i mean he he is one of them and and that's what's so great about this movie what what i just i love so much about it is is you kind of think it's a it's a carry these are sex zombies they're raping people and they are they are i mean we can't (laughs) we can't (laughs) sugarcoat that they are raping people and brutalizing people but once they have the parasite in them and they're part of the group it's just all about pleasure and community i mean it's it's a switch from the artificial community that the that the apartment complex represented to just this visceral you know body community they're all together they all are part of each other i mean there's there's no hint of a hive mind or anything like that that shivers would or that uh sliver would eventually bring into it uh but they're just they're they're (laughs) <laughs> i don't know they're a physical loving community it's a sexual
0: orgy community you were just quoting something to me i'll quote cronenberg they're going to be drag kicking and screaming into the new experience exactly they're not going to go willingly but underneath there is something else and that's what we see at the end of the film do they do they really not want it <laughs> <laughs> okay so you're the zombie expert are these zombies or are they something else oh that's that's a whole argument that's a whole big conversation <laughs> personally
1: if you're not dead i don't think you're a zombie okay you know it, otherwise if you're not a zombie, it's, it's a plague um which is just gets tossed back and forth nobody uh, nobody cares anymore i think you know, they're reborn as something else 28 days later They're all alive, but everybody calls it a zombie movie and says Ah, they're zombies. They're not. They're just. They're just. They have this rage virus infected. So as far as I'm concerned, if you're not dead, you're not a zombie. So like, uh, I'm I'm a purist. (laughs)
0: Like Living Dead, like Slivers, uh, like Romero's The Crazies, which is another movie I love. The the Crazies is more uh, analogous to this. Like Rabid, uh, Mm. there's no conclusion Mm -hmm. yeah right you things are just going to get worse worse or better depending on your in shivers (laughs) it may be better
1: in rabbit it's definitely worse rabbit is rabbit is the flip side and it's a fucking great combination with shivers it's a it's a a great combat combo to just look at these films back to back
0: they're a perfect pair aren't they yeah yeah did you want to say anything about the comparison to crazies i think crazies is a better uh, match for for rabid well well yeah, yeah
1: it's both both really i mean crazies is you know a, a, a plague a virus that's making people go crazy it's just they're killing people which is what happens in rabid this I man it's the same as, as shivers except in shivers they just want to fuck and and you right know, enjoy life <laughs> What's wrong with wanting to fucking enjoy life?
0: You're that's why I, think, that's okay. why I think
1: the parasites are the heroes. The parasites are the protagonists and shivers. <laughs>
0: I like that so much; it totally changes my view towards that. It. It's not a horror movie. They are the I mean, heroes trying to break out of the uh, the yeah. closed world they've been born into. They're the rebels fighting the empire. <laughs>
1: Wow! <laughs> wow! That pool, that pool I'm, at the end is the Death Star.
0: I'm not sure we've seen a scene except like the except, beginning scene. If they win, they are. It's like they're trapped in the Death Star, though. Mm-hmm. Right? They're stuck it's in the Starliner. with the Starliner
1: Hotel or apartments. So it, it's named for a spaceship. <laughs> you think Ridley Scott saw this movie? I don't. I don't know if Ridley Scott did, but I'm. I'm positive Dan O'Bannon did. Okay, because um,
0: there's certainly a lot of Gagera in the in the design mm-hmm.
1: too. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. See that 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 whole design is um. Oh, what is his name? I had it right here. Uh, Joe Blasco, the creature de- creator and the makeup artist. He worked on this and Rabbit. Uh, he came out of Hollywood, I guess, Los Angeles and uh up to canada to, to do the work on this and it was like none of this stuff had been done before mm-hmm. you know the bladders the air bladders under the guy's stomach moving around like things under his skin nobody had done that before it's just like vaguely in there's like a hint in the exorcist a little bit in the exorcist there's a hint in like a star wars episode where veins or a star trek episode where veins bulge in someone's head He's, he's the first one to actually put that under the body, under a, a, a fake torso to create things moving around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and he's the one who came up with what the, to the actual physical models for the parasites and making them move, figuring out how to make them move and everything. Blasco's brilliant. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else he did. I know he worked on Ilsa Sewell for the SS and these movies, but
0: uh, Yeah, Rabbit would have come out just the year before they started working on Alien. mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Rabbit 77. That was like the first year of stuff like Starlog. mm -hmm. The small world at that time. How could they not know each other? They had to
1: they had to i mean and i mean ivan reitman was the producer on this and i i have to believe that ivan reitman had connections with and Mm. new people and you know the alien you know the whole the whole idea of alien is a parasite getting into someone and bursting out and then creating havoc and trying to spread to other people in the in this confined
0: space yeah i mean it's hardly an old a new idea true right? true. but at the same but, time yeah the world how many people were making horror movies at that time Cronenberg's name was known um you know these people were probably hanging out with each other yeah yeah by by then he'd done this Rabid,
1: and had he the brood was probably out but brood was probably 79 right
0: i think uh, uh the brood we'll he, see yeah brood was 79 <laughs> yeah yeah
1: so yeah i mean this this stuff had to be seen it had to be
0: inspirational to to other people in the creative field in in the field i was completely caught up with rabbit at the very beginning too Mm -hmm. just in a different way and that's a movie that kind of had like a a little bit of a swerve at the very beginning Mm -hmm. compared to what i was expecting um because you know as as that film begins uh the actress marilyn chambers and her boyfriend are not the actress but the, the character she's playing and her boyfriend are out for a motorcycle ride and get in a horrible accident the only place nearby is a uh, plastic surgery clinic which for some reason set off in the woods in quebec but okay um, <laughs> and they bring her in there uh, she is forced to go into a, a extended coma in order to uh, get over her injuries Um, The doctor there does an experimental treatment to give her a transplant, a skin transplant from her thigh to her neck, I guess. Yeah, Dr. Keloid. Dr. Keloid at the Keloid Clinic. And somehow in the process of that, she ends up um, picking up, uh, (laughs) I guess, a a parasite also, right? I guess. This weird Uh, thing that's on, where is it? The inside of her arm, right? Her armpit. It's her armpit. It is such a, a an interesting barbed penis comes out of her a, armpit. A barbed pe- penis comes out of the armpit of Marilyn Shabers, who at the time was like the most famous actress in, in porn. And it just they, of course, America, like in 73 and 74, just come out of this period of porn chic where we're like everyone was seeing, you know, Deep Throat and, and those movies too. Yeah, so behind she was the a green name door. Behind, behind the, the Green door doors. Was yeah. She was, you know, she was a name that was well known. Walter Cronk, I talked about her on the CBS Evening News. <laughs> you know, your boring parents would have known her name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's this icon of sexuality, um, and she's got this penis thing in her armpit and like how how bizarre and amazing is that
1: yeah Uh, and it's a vampire story it's a vampire plague story Mm -hmm. um and that's what's so great did you you have to have seen this where he he had his moment of doubt (laughs) where krenenberg is like they're they're making the movie and he wakes up one night from a from a cold in a cold sweat and talks to the producers the next day and is like this is ridiculous she's got a penis coming out of her <laughs> armpit she's sucking blood this is no, this is insane we can't do this and they're like David calm down <laughs> <laughs> trust us this is going to work
0: <laughs> oh and my god did it work <laughs> my god it's, did it work good. yeah it it's, feels it's so good it feels like a half step up Mm-hmm. right it feels like it's the story we just saw but bigger and kind of um on a larger scale and in that way you know it, it's just more terrifying than shivers in some ways
1: yeah uh yeah at the same time though it kind of embraces more of the more traditional uh plague storylines that you know going with, like we said with crazies even with you know not living dead and all It's, you know, this there's nothing positive about getting infected with what she's passing around. It's, I mean, it's rabid. Yeah. It's rabies. It's, it's, it's violence and it's, it's death.
0: Yeah. And that's some of the scariest scenes is like at the very beginning. So she, she gets infected and basically the virus goes throughout the clinic. Yeah. She's typhoid Mary. She's a, yeah. She's the classic patient zero, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's a scenes where basically the police and the ambulances come to the clinic and they try to care for people. They give that the one guy, um, you know, a series of rabies shots. Mm-hmm. And he has this pained look on his face, like, please let this horror end. And you're thinking, no, actually, your horror is only beginning.
1: Uh, that's, that's the scene where you find the doctor, Dr. Kalloyed himself. And one of the trucks just rabbit out of his mind. Jumping up against the glass and foaming at the mouth. Ah, it's horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, literally foaming at the mouth. Yeah, I mean it, it's I guess a little more, uh, a little more subtle, I suppose, than mm-hmm. shivers. But um, I, I, I don't know, or was no less subtle. Excuse me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Certainly, right there on the surface. But you know, the way she kind of goes, kind of stalking through the city to find your yeah. sexual partners and how it kind of spreads from one person to the next be, by you know people basically assaulting each other in, in places the movie theater and other places like that uh it just makes the horror just get more and more frightening
1: yeah I, I, one of the things that that really strikes me the most about it is just how how once you get outside of of her experience It just becomes chaos. It just becomes violence, death, and chaos. Yeah, you know, like like I said, it just becomes exponential and moving out. It's it's a plague story. Um, But she, her Marilyn Chambers, her character is Rose. uh, You know, she's just trying to survive. She can't eat normal food anymore. Whatever this, whatever the the skin transplant, the whatever they've done to her at the plastic surgery place. Uh, she can't eat regular food anymore all she can do is consume blood through her armpit penis spike <laughs> <That's strange. laughs> and so what's really i would the the most interesting part of this movie that i find is the way her character changes as she kind of accepts what she's become yeah and it i don't at, at times i don't even know if she's conscious of it or if it's just this compulsion that you know just to survive but you know she goes out but i mean once once she's out into the city i, mean, I have to I have to believe that she knows what she's doing yeah you know, because she's going to eat basically but the yeah. fact that she she becomes a predator but she hunts by just presenting herself as a victim
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so you have men just these disgusting douchebags just you know up on her and she's like okay yeah hi and you know drawing them in just by being a woman and then they you know she's able to actually feed on them
0: and not kill them but to basically turn them into you know rabid monsters that scene where she goes into the movie theater Mm. and the guy kind of wanders over to her seat and
1: not wanders
0: he he spots her her, he stalks
1: her like prey and turns out he's the actual prey
0: yeah and you feel like such a excitement about the turnabout then this horror also as she attacks him Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah he really he deserves it right and that's something i've seen written well, a few times see, about this that's movie the thing. Yeah. is that the, these people get killed are like reprehensible they're the worst people they, you see that's the thing you know I, I mean they're they're skeezy you wait for them to <laughs> yeah. die in some way do
1: they do they are do they deserve to die for trying to get laid i don't know <laughs> well <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's
0: ways to get laid. There's ways to get laid, right? I mean, yeah. I
1: mean, no, but honestly, though, I mean, they're in a porn theater, you know, th- for that scene. They're in it. She goes to a porn theater to find somebody who will become prey, and, right?
0: It's pretty clearly a hookup place. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, and then there's there's the guy in the mall who is just a doofus who mm-hmm. sees her walking through the mall and is like, oh, and starts again kind of stalking her following her through the mall and then when she sits down you know laying the trap he comes over to sit next to her and is like you know wants to wants to be friendly and if he had a lighter he you know might have actually lived although with you know <laughs> rabies instead
0: going looking for a lighter he gets murdered by another person who's infected <laughs> yeah i don't think he uh I don't think it's she's set the trap though, the way it's presented. I think I think he's he stalking is. her. Is. Nah, I think, think so? she's
1: she's hunting. Okay.
0: <laughs> I think she's
1: hunting. What one of the things that is this is outside of the film, but uh, did you notice uh Carrie being one of the marquee in of the <laughs> I movies did, that yes. she passed? Because Sissy Spacek was who that who he wanted to cast as this character.
0: Yes, I noticed that, and I love those little touches. When you actually see when the movie was filmed, mm-hmm. or well, he, he wanted he wanted Sissy
1: Spacek for her character.
0: Talk about and a completely different film.
1: The producers said, "No, she's got a Texas accent. She's got freckles. We don't want her." And then while they were filming this, Carrie came out, and she became the biggest name in in, in
0: film. And they were like, "Oh, why why did we not go with Sissy Spacek?" But did, didn't you think Marilyn Chambers was perfect for this movie? She is. She's perfect. I mean, it's like it's made for her. She doesn't, you know, she's she's this is her
1: first straight film role. Uh, she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to do a whole lot. When she does, it's really kind of over the top, and and and, and is right in her wheelhouse. She's able to really pull off
0: everything that that she's required to do. Uh, and I think it's it, surprising. It, it makes it more interesting seeing her like that, and kind of getting this double double meaning from the character. Mm-hmm. She's someone we can, yeah. I, I would say the sissy spacek. If sissy spacek played her, you can imagine the character being more conflicted or more stressed out or more just challenged by everything around her. But Marilyn Chambers, it just feels like this is the woman who kind of is, you know, yeah. operating in the world. She's someone who mod- who's it's, used to kind of being in charge of herself and kind of she's embodied she's, she's embodied she's, yes yeah. yeah she's like the ideal fit for this movie and i think she's very good in it i i agree i, agree. Uh, I also was struck just as a tangent like she has a very normal body there's no surgery and crap mm-hmm. with her right her breasts are like relatively small i can't imagine a porn actress today being in a movie like that yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: that she looks like a normal person, really. Just she's just prettier than most people yeah. in this movie, yeah. She, what was she before that she got
1: into porn? She was what is it, uh, the she was a model, ivory, I think the ivory soap girl, yeah. like she was she was carrying the baby on the ivory soap, yeah. Stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's yeah, this is like perfect for her. It's almost like it was written for her.
0: There's a podcast called uh you must remember this that's having a series right now on porn in the 1970s and 80s really mm-hmm. good movie a really good uh series The uh, mainstream porn so to speak there's a great episode about like eight and a half weeks for example and the weird sexual politics of it and there's an episode where they talk about marilyn chamber's career definitely worth listening to yeah um I sent us off on a tangent there. <laughs> well, going back to,
1: to this, I mean, comparing shivers to rabid, um, I personally find shivers more satisfying just because it has the more uh, the more experimental ending, the more uh, ending where you, you aren't really expecting that to happen. Mm-hmm. And or even there's, there's kind of a... a It's not overt, but there's almost an embracing of what's going to happen with the, once everybody's infected in the giant pool orgy at the end, it cuts to just quietly, silently, all of these people have composed themselves. They've gotten dressed, they've dried off, they've gotten their shit together. They go to their cars and everybody leaves the apartment complex and heading across the bridge to Montreal to start spreading this, you know, Spreading their their free love, mm-hmm. and as it ends, you get the news broadcast over the uh, over the what is just a silent, quiet kind of peaceful ending. But the news broadcast is about a bunch of sexual violence breaking out in Montreal, and you know shit's going crazy. This in rabid then you get the flip side of that, where you don't ha- you we don't have to wait for that that post you know that credit voiceover we see martial law being being you know ex- set into place and and we see you know military riding through the streets we see people having to have uh uh basically cards saying they they are clear they're they're clean right. um, it's 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 a dystopian kind of thing that echoes some of the stuff that went on in, the in- in canada in quebec i think uh a few years prior yeah uh there was there were uprisings there was a the uh i don't have it in front of me but there was a, a free quebec movement that wanted to make quebec an independent country break away from canada and there were terrorist activities and they enacted martial law and so you had the military rolling through the streets and people with gun you know, soldiers with guns on the street corners and everything. And this was like just brought right back to everybody's thrown in everybody's faces for at the end of this, right. Kind of, it, it struck me as kind of like, uh, have you seen Spielberg's uh, war of the worlds? I haven't. Uh, it's like one of the but first I- movies right after nine 11 that mm-hmm. really just went all in on the, you know, city devastation and just, violence that occurs in that movie is very very uh re- i don't know it, it's not i'm probably not intended to but it makes there's visual references to things that happened on 9-11 huh. you know, people are people are just zapped and turned into ash and people are just covered in ash running through the streets trying to get away from Ooh, this, wow. this stuff it's it's horrifying and and to be done that's I, I don't even remember what year it was but it was it was one of the first ones to actually take on this kind of city destroying after 9 11. but it's kind of there's a, there's an echo here or a backwards echo i guess <laughs> where this this actually re you know forces audiences at least in canada to revisit this moment where there's there's martial law and military rolling through the streets uh, so that's daring
0: that's, yeah
1: yeah and 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 for a second movie that's that's another really interesting thing that makes makes Cronenberg and, and this film so impressive this is, this is his second feature film, yeah. and they're able to you know basically you know <laughs> rip off streets and send military trucks and soldiers in. They got soldiers with machine guns machine gunning Santa Claus in the, in the
0: mall. Oh, that's so terrifying! Yeah, it's, but that's it's, the stuff that I found the most compelling about this movie. Um, it was, it reminded me of like the Omega Man mm-hmm. uh, of the yeah. crazies, that kind of early seventies, kind of very dystopian uh, invasion sort of movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was just so terrifying. Um, I, I just tend to like, I don't know. I think that in some ways this movie just takes the ending just two steps forward compared to the previous movie. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're definitely pairs to each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Shivers is kind of the, the in, in some ways, just like cuts off like 80% of the way that Vivid does. Um, <laughs> I just really love these scenes where you see society completely broken down and there's, you know, police on top of movie marquees or whatever, yeah, just on the random people. You know, I find that to yeah. be so terrifying. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree.
1: And and it's just, it's, and, and it's got the most... the most depressing ending oh my god and she rose even though she knows that she's you know doing this she there's a part of her that just can't believe that it's really her doing it and i don't it's it's a really impressive piece of performance basically i i love i mean i love the performance she she doesn't She can't grasp that she's responsible for this. And uh, so she goes and finds a guy, infects him and then just hangs out in his apartment until he wakes up turned and is, you know, I don't, I don't know is she shocked that he's going to kill her or is this just her way of finding an ending, you know, without having to kill herself?
0: Yeah. I kind of read it that way. Yeah, I can see that. I, I mean, it makes sense. It's it's a good. In effect, a, she saw the evil that she created, and just uh, just she saw as a sacrifice. The only thing yeah. she could do, really. And that, and I mean,
1: being on the phone with her boyfriend the whole time is just yeah. ups the emotional, you know, I don't know. It's just so fucking powerful. It works so well, and then you just end with her in the garbage.
0: Yeah, and the being garbage. tugged on
1: by a dog, and just tossed into a dumpster or into oh a, a trash
0: truck. Well, that's it, right? And that—that's the ending that I found that I always find powerful when we get to that. Yeah, right. That—that you know, life is going on. You've made your sacrifice, but now you're just you know so much garbage, so much of yesterday's news. Right? The mm-hmm. garbage is picking them up. They've gotten past this plague somehow, and we're never privy to how that happened. Well, we, well, know we they, don't know that they're past it. They're oh, still, that's true.
1: it's still going on, but they, you know, this is the other way, is part of
0: the cleanup. The other way of reading that is like, is, it's like uh, the very beginning of My, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, right? Bring out your dead. <laughs> Bring out your dead. I'm not yeah. dead yet. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's,
1: it's heartbreaking. I mean, yeah. she didn't, she, she, she was just on a motorcycle ride you know, she was just on a motorcycle ride and a mad scientist turned her into a monster.
0: She was not a bad person. And then she ends up in the garbage. Yeah, I mean, I I suppose the people in the clinic, this plastic surgery clinic were um, guilty of being self-centered or whatever. But the other difference between Vivid and Shivers is that in Shivers, uh, or Rabbit, excuse me, in Shivers, uh, in Shivers, these are people who are kind of repressed or they're kind of seeing themselves freed up in some way right there their lives are changing um as a basis of what they've done in the past in their lives and rabbit it's all random mm-hmm. yeah i, I it's mean rabbits not, a, Rabbit's just a true plague movie it is a true plague movie right um and therefore you know it's easy to see 2022 in it also yeah i need to interrupt for a second if we can pause i gotta go
1: i gotta use the bathroom okay <laughs> Just
0: two fantastic movies, Paul. For for literally no money. Yeah. That's he that's spent, what's so amazing. He spent less than a half billion dollars making both of these together.
1: And 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 in them you find the kind of the core of everything he's going to be exploring for the next decade at least. You know, this whole idea of your body turning against you. It's it's especially I guess the the fly is probably the the ultimate uh, expression of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But we get I mean, oh my god! I mean, I wish we could talk about all the movies, but I mean, some of the movies just aren't. You know, they're not. Uh, they're not Cronenberg <laughs> movies, I guess. I don't know. I feel bad saying that. What do you mean? But, well, like-, like things like Fast. Fast Company, I think, is the next movie that he made. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a car drag race movie. It's just it's just a straight up car racing movie, which I've never seen. I've 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 got a copy of it, but I've never actually sat do and watched
0: it. But it, I there's think no it, it's definitely going on my watch list now. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna want to i to watch it. But I'm sure I, I'm, you wouldn't watch. Uh, so I know Scanners and Videodrome are like a great pair for each other, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well,
1: The Brood is next after. Yeah after the, the, car race, the car race movie. Um, Brood, Scanners, and Videodrome. Those are like the next three that really round out this this part of his career.
0: Is this what, are those, are those the movies Sean was going to join us for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good.
1: Yeah, I mean, so these first two movies were like a set. Mm-hmm. And then the next three movies kind of work at, you know after fast company the next three movies kind of work to try to to just focus in on body horror and psychology and then after that we start getting his mainstream work yeah. and it it's 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 nice to have just such clear delineations between sections of his his uh filmography uh we don't you know yeah. we don't hit everything but Uh, there's we can find really good representations of each section of his
0: of his journey because dead zone the fly and dead ringers are all kind of as a group yeah
1: those those would be a great yeah three pack
0: yeah and then we get into some then he gets into what i kind of guess is the mature phase of his work yeah nick we might want to do naked lunch by itself crash by itself too
1: I don't know. Naked Lunch and Crash would be a good combo. They're both adaptations of unadaptable novels. Um,
0: I've never seen, I've never seen either one, but especially Crash has me uh, really wondering what I'm gonna what I'm gonna see. I I haven't
1: seen Crash since it first came out, and it didn't really stick with me. But I've I I really want to see it again.
0: Super curious. Yeah.
1: Uh, Because you get both of those films are you know novels by avant-garde sci-fi writers who no one ever thought they'd be able to put these novels on screen. I mean, Crash is all about... Is crash, I haven't... I don't... It's been so long since I've looked into it. But, it, you know, it, it's all about people who get sexually aroused by car crashes and, you know, the violence and that comes out of a car crash. And then Naked Lunch is,
0: you know, of course, William Burroughs just going off the reservation (laughs) i read that in college and yeah it was one of the most amazing things i've ever read
1: oh man i the first time i tried to read naked lunch i couldn't get past there was the hassan's rumpus room i can still remember it was just a (laughs) chapter and it was just this horrifying description of Anal violation by monsters and and this this, this, this what i that's what i remember and but it it took me years to get back to being able to actually read the novel
0: i never finished it couldn't get couldn't get all the way through anyway let's let's wrap up these two um (laughs) you know i know we're going to get into deeper more more kind of substantial work in the future in air quotes but like to me shivers and rabbit totally fit in that early 70s horror milieu that you were talking about earlier and you know I find it so enjoyable watching these movies lots of levels around you know first of all the honesty of a movie at that era the the cheapness is on the screen in a way that really kind of conveys the horror in a way that makes it more powerful to me
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and then the fact we see this animating intelligence behind these movies too uh, you know uses that cheapness in, in such a in a way that really emphasized the, the intensity
1: of it well i like the fact that he he had he had never thought he was going to be a filmmaker he thought he was going to write novels and yeah. then he he went to school and went to the well he thought he was going to be a scientist he went into medical uh he was going to be uh went into the medical school and then somehow got switched over to English. He like saw student films and that were being done by people in the English department got switched over to English. And then from there, uh, got kind of exposed to this underground film movement. And that's where, you know, that's where he eventually ended up. And so there's this there's this whole scientific and literary, you know, background before he started putting any visual stuff on the screen and that 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 might part of why he's just so distinctive and so stands out so much from the other people that we see from this era the the other you know i don't know the biggies you know romero uh, uh, carpenter wes craven uh toby hooper Mm -hmm. um they were all really down to earth and worked just straight into film. They were all just filmmakers and he came at it from a different angle. And, and you can, you can, you can really see it from the very beginning. He's, he's preoccupied with science, with these doctors who were doing weird things. And, and there's a history of, you know, shady medical experimentation stuff in Canada uh, around know, just right that he was growing up in 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 the news when he was growing up yeah um so he's it's just so unique it's so unique and yet it also is just so uh, so visceral so so
0: solid it's it's just how could you not have these movies well, it's it's unique but it's also traditional right because that's more traditional in the mad scientist movie it well that's true that's true yeah but it takes it in, in directions you wouldn't expect right the birds yeah. about a bunch of crazy kids right i mean the, there's like well a thing
1: the, have you seen the brood
0: well no i guess I'll, we'll, we'll okay. check in, yeah, in a few yeah, weeks no, about I, that
1: it's not just about a bunch of crazy kids <laughs> all right <laughs> oh i can't wait I can't. okay <laughs>
0: You got me really excited. Paul, uh, thank you. This was really fun. Uh, this is fun. I, I can't wait to, to
1: talk about more of these. I love this stuff. <laughs>